Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host. And Tesla had an event. I don't know if you noticed. The media didn't really talk about it all that much. Um, but they had uh, their investor day. And I'm going to be honest with you. It was not um, exciting from a standpoint of product announcements. But Tesla kind of let us in, gave us a peek behind the curtain of how their operation works and kind of some of their thought processes. So I found it really interesting, but it was not uh, like a, a new vehicle event, which is really exciting. This was, this is really informative and exciting for nerds like us, but not exciting in a way that my wife was interested in watching. Like my wife actually sat down and she's, she actually agreed to watch it with me and she made it about 20 minutes and she's like, this, I can't do this. And I understand it was very nerdy, but it's it to me and hopefully to you, it, it's going to be super interesting before we go on. This is a new month. So I would like to thank our Patreon supporters and Instead of reading everybody off um, in one big list, Investor Day was three and a half hours long. I can't put that all in one show. Now, this show is not going to – I cut a lot of stuff out, so we're not going to cover the entire three and a half hours with clips. Like, I cut a lot of stuff out. Uh, but I, I'm trying to keep these shows more manageable, so I have a starting point and a stopping point. Um, so – you're going to get shows over the next couple of days because the feedback I've gotten from listeners is that they would rather have shows that are manageable uh, to listen to and having those long hour and a half, two hour shows is not manageable for them to listen to. And I understand one, I have a monotone voice Two, I'm not that entertaining and three, uh, turns out my self-loathing thoughts won't let me come up with a third thing. But in either case, the, the point is, is that I'm trying to put this out in a, in, um, a manner that is easy to digest for everybody instead of overwhelming because I don't want to overwhelm everybody. All right. Let's get to those patrons and thank them. I'm going to thank Chris, Jamie, Mo Cowbell, Don, Christopher, Stephen, Alex, Alan, Matthew, Andrew, 
Friendly Sleet 66, Joseph, and Jerbo. I want to thank each and every one of you for supporting the show. If you did not hear your name, remember, we're breaking this down into multiple parts. My, my thought is three. So you should hear your name in the coming days. All right, let's get into the show. Before we go to our first clip, I've said this before. This presentation was very long. I'm going to cut out a lot of this stuff, um, but I would encourage you to go and watch the presentation yourself if you have three and a half hours free, uh, because there's a lot of good information in there. I thought it was really well done. Remember a few episodes ago when I said, here are the things to look for at Tesla Investor Day. I want you to know that everything that I said was wrong with the exception of they're going to build a gigafactory in Mexico. The next gigafactory will be built in Monterey, Mexico, which is about 430 miles from the Texas border. All right, let's jump into our first clip, which is Zach Kirkhorn, the CFO of Tesla, just kind of giving us an idea of what to expect from this presentation. So as we reflect back on the history of the company, there's been distinct phases of product advancement, technology innovation, and rapid volume growth. The most recent of which has been the global expansion and localization of the Model Y program. And so today, we want to talk about the future. We don't want to talk about this quarter or next quarter. We want to go further out into the future. And we've divided today's presentation into three parts. The first of which, we're going to go macro. What does it take to convert Earth to sustainable energy generation and use? The second, we want to talk about Tesla's contribution to that global need. And we're going to go function by function through the company and you'll meet our entire leadership team, and we're going to get into the details of what those teams are doing as part of the broader goal. And then in the third part, we're going to bring it back up and talk about what this all means for the company as a whole. So before we get started, statements made in this presentation are forward-looking statements that are subject to risks and uncertainties. More details can be found in our written material. All right, next up we have Elon and Drew Bagliano, and they're going to talk about Master Plan 3 and just give us this, this overview. And I've got quite a bit to say about this, but I'll say it on the other side once you've heard the overview. Master Plan Part 3. So as uh, Zach was mentioning, the, the thing that I think is we wanted to convey, probably more, more importantly than anything else that we talk about here is that there is a clear path to a sustainable energy earth. It's not, um, it doesn't require destroying uh, natural habitats. Uh, it doesn't uh, require us to be austere and stop using electricity and sort of be in the cold or anything. Um, the the story, and I think it this holds together quite well, and we'll be actually publishing a detailed white paper with all of our assumptions and calculations, is that there is a, there is a clear path to a fully sustainable Earth uh, with abundance. In fact, you could support a civilization much bigger than Earth, than, than much more than the, the 8 billion humans, uh, could actually be uh, 
supported sustainably on Earth. And I'm, I'm just often shocked and surprised by how few people realize this. Um, most of the smart people I know actually don't see a, a, this clear path. They, they think that um, there's, there's not a path to a sustainable energy future, or at least there's not one that uh, is sustainable at our current population, um, or that we have to resort to extreme measures. None of this is true. So we're going to walk through the, the calculations for how to create a sustainable energy civilization. Yeah. <clears throat> and to set the stage, today our energy economy, it's, let's be honest, it's dirty and it's wasteful. Over 80% of global energy, primary energy, comes from fossil fuels, and only one-third of that global energy actually ends up delivering useful work or heat. This is the problem statement, but we're here to talk about the solution. Yeah, it's, it's like if for <clears throat> some of this I'm going to elaborate because there's, there's, there's a very wide range of technical expertise uh, out there from people who are like, you know, whatever, level nine wizards in this subject to people who do not do engineering at all. So uh, like when, if you have a gasoline car, you're, uh, you're, you're converting less than a third, uh, often maybe only 25 percent of the energy in the gasoline is converted into motion. The rest is turned into waste heat. That does no, doesn't do any good at all. And there's a lot of energy required even to get the oil out of the ground, to refine the oil, uh, and to transport the gasoline to the gas station. So when you, when you look at all that for a typical gasoline car is, is actually going to be using less than 20% fully considered of the uh, energy from the oil actually goes into motion. So this is a when when I see people when we see people doing calculations for what does it take to create a sustainable energy earth they assume that the same energy amount is required for an elect, for an, electri an electrified civilization versus a combustion civilization this is not true the, because uh, most of the energy of combustion is waste heat and even to get the fuel to combust in the first place and get it to the end use. There's a lot lost along the way. I mean, yeah. this is the primary energy consumption, 165 petawatt hours a year. Petawatt hour is a trillion, terawatt, uh, trillion kilowatt hours, so it's a large amount of energy. But the nice thing about an electrified economy, it, uh, there's a better way, we're going to talk about it, is that through end use efficiency and through efficiency along every step of the way, actually the total energy use it halves. So this is one of the most enabling aspects of electrifying everything uh, is that the sustainable energy economy is that much easier to accomplish. It's actually half the problem statement of the fossil fuel economy. Yeah, and we're being conservative here, so it could be better than half. But uh, we're, we're trying to have assumptions that are reasonable, not overly optimistic, in fact, slightly pessimistic. Uh, so it's really better than half, but just say for it's, it's, it's easy to make the argument that we need half as much energy with an electric economy versus a, a combustion economy. Yep. Um, so how the master plan works? You want to talk about uh, yeah. it? Um, so the, 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 the thing that is needed in, at very large scale that is not currently present is a vast amount of battery energy storage. Uh, our rough calculations are that this is about 240 terawatt hours, or 240,000 gigawatt hours. Um, 
this is a lot of batteries, but it is actually a very achievable amount. Uh, we'll go into details on that. Yep. So th- uh, that's a combination of electric vehicles and stationary storage. So if you've got solar or wind, you've got to store the energy when the wind is not blowing, the sun is not shining. Um, and so we're assuming sort of an 8 to 1 ratio of uh, stored energy to power. So 30 terawatt hours of power. Thirty terawatts of power. Um, our actual uh, capital expenditure calculation for manufacturing investment is more like uh, six trillion, but we, you know, we made it higher to make it ten trillion. And this um, is across mining, refining, you know, battery factories, recycling, vehicle factories, all the things that we're going to talk about needing to invest in to build the sustainable energy economy. Yeah. Now, if you look at the total world economy, it's just under a hundred trillion. So if this was spread out, say over 10 years, it would be 1% of the global economy. Over 20 years, uh, it would be half a percent Very of doable. the global economy. So this is, uh, yeah, n- not a big number relative to the global economy. Um, as Drew mentioned, you need about half as much energy with an electric economy versus a combustion economy. And in terms of wind and solar, how much land would be used? It's less than 0.2% of the land area of Earth. Um, like generally, people don't realize quite how much energy is reaching us from the sun. Um, it's roughly a gigawatt per square kilometer. Um, and you know, the sun doesn't shine all the time, but it's uh, if you multiply that by, say, uh, Four to get the continuous power, four or five, uh, then that 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 gives you the land area of solar, and you can put wind and solar often in the same place. So a lot of places that currently have wind, you could have solar there, and you double your energy. You can also put wind offshore; it doesn't even need to be on land. So wind is even more flexible. You could put solar offshore too. Yep. So Earth is seventy percent water. (laughs) Um, Anyway, the point is that um, with with a pretty, really, a remarkably small amount of of Earth's land area, we can go fully sustainable. Um, yeah. And, so. and, and from a, do the resources and raw materials exist to support this transition? Uh, we'll go through that in detail, but we do not see any insurmountable resource challenges at all. In fact, in the end, we should be um, mining less ore to accomplish this economy than we currently do with the fossil fuel economy, and we're going to talk through that. Yeah, just to emphasize that again, the electrified economy will require less mining than the current economy does. Yes. Less, not more. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right. I like how he starts us off. The path to a sustainable earth can be achieved without destroying the environment or going without what we now consider to be basic necessities like electricity. Um, Elon mentions that some of the smartest people he knows doesn't seem to see it this way. And I'm going to be honest, and, and you should all know this by now if you listen to me for any length of time. I can't even talk. If you've listened to me for any length of time, I'm not qualified to make a judgment on this stuff. Maybe Elon and Tesla's solution is the right solution. Maybe, you know, there's another solution out there that's better. Maybe this is, you know, somewhere in between. What we do know is when the pandemic started and people were driving less, our air pollution went down. But ultimately, I would really like to hear from scientists who study this kind of thing and I want them to look at Tesla's plan and give us feedback as to what they think. Because Tesla's plan for solving this problem definitely aligns with their commercial interests. So it makes sense that they they have a problem and a solution just happens to be some of the things that they do as a business. Now, I don't want this to sound like I am bashing Tesla's ideas, their plans or whatever they're doing in terms of move, pushing this forward. But I do want to say that this can't be as easy as Tesla is making it sound. They're going to run up against a ton of headaches and roadblocks in order for this to work. Let's say Tesla's solution is the perfect solution to make this work. We're going to have to have businesses, governments, and then the rest of the world's population on board to make this an easy and smooth transition. And there are businesses that um, make their money doing the exact opposite of what Tesla wants to achieve. So it's safe to say that not everybody is going to be on board with this plan. Again, I don't want this to sound like I'm being negative, but I do think it's important to be critical and not critical in a way of just being a jerk. I mean, not taking everything that Tesla says as gospel and actually looking into it a little bit further and asking questions. Like the, the constructive critical, not the teardown critical. Now, having said that, let's set up our next clip. Um, Tesla says in order to reach this sustainable energy economy, here's what we need. 240 terawatt hours of storage, 30 terawatts of renewable energy, a $10 trillion investment into manufacturing. $10 trillion is so much money. I'm not even... That's so much money. It's not a little. It, 10 is a small number. 10 trillion is a very large number. 
Drew says that they'll need half as much energy with an electric economy versus a fossil fuel economy. And they talked about how much land you would need in order to make this, you know, transition possible. And I think, you know, it's a very small amount of land when you compare it to earth, <laughs> for instance, but where these renewable energy stations are positioned in terms of where populations are and stuff like that, I think that's really important. I, I just don't think you can take the entire Sahara Desert, turn it into a solar and wind farm, and then say we're good for the rest of uh, the world. You just connect to us right here. I, I think we're going to need a lot of these little renewable energy sites I don't even know what to call them, stations, sites, in order for this to work. And even then, we still might need fossil fuels. Uh, I just don't think it's going to be that easy is really what it comes down to. All right, let's get to our next clip, which is Tesla's plan to eliminate fossil fuels. So first, uh, repowering the existing grid with renewables. And this is going to be a consistent theme. You'll see our estimates for the number of terawatt hours, terawatts, and trillions of investment at the bottom of the page. You know, this is already actively occurring in front of us. 60% of the generation added to the U.S. grid was solar in 2022. And actually, on a year-on-year -year basis, solar deployment is growing 50% year-on-year uh, as of 2022. So this is a, this is a serious uh, 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 upswing. And if we continue this trend, this is going to be behind us before we even know it. Yeah. Um, second, <clears throat> switching to electric vehicles. Again, 21% uh, reduction in fossil fuel use by doing this alone. Obviously, Tesla is heavily engaged in this activity, as along with many others. Um, overall, EV production grew 59% year-on-year in 2022, and EVs hit an amazing 10% market share. I mean, it's an awesome milestone. I, I've, I'm super excited to see that. I, I gotta... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is uh, obviously happening very rapidly, um, and I mean, I think really all costs will go to... Uh, fully electric um, and autonomous, um, and so riding a non-autonomous uh, gasoline car is going to be analogous to riding a horse and using a flip phone. Uh, that's basically going to be the situation. And we actually uh, took a somewhat conservative assumption here in terms of how many batteries are required, because the more the fleet is autonomous, the the, the fewer the, the smaller the fleet needs to be, just from a utility basis. So we're not accounting for all of those benefits, or really much of those benefits at all in this number. Um, and what does this fleet look like? You know, just rough view from our perspective. Of course, we could be wrong, but, you know, uh, you can see the sort of breakdown of the fleet by millions of vehicles. Um, you know, our goal is to do 20 million electric vehicles a year. Yeah. Fewer vehicles will be needed, at least passenger vehicles, uh, with autonomy. So... Um there's some debate as to what that number is, but it's it's some number less than the number of vehicles needed today. There's roughly two billion cars and trucks uh, in operation in the world today. And yeah. So what we show here is actually, I think, only 1.4 million or, or so. So we're yeah. we're, we're represent 1.4 billion, I mean, or so. So a smaller fleet, and you know, the the numbers are here in this presentation are around 85 million vehicles a year produced. Just to give you a sense of how we're thinking about this, again, we're going to put all these assumptions up online and you know encourage people's thoughts. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we're basically heading rapidly towards an electric or autonomous future. <laughs> Exciting. Yeah. Um, 
And one of the reasons why EVs are so enabling is this end-use efficiency point. Um, Tesla Model 3, it's four times more efficient from the well to wheel than uh, a Toyota Corolla. And that's all about the efficiency of getting the electricity to the, into the car in a sustainable en- uh, energy economy and then how efficient the car is uh, in transferring that stored uh, energy to motion on the road. Um, when compared to the engine in the Toyota Corolla and all the you know extraction, refining, transmission, distribution of the gasoline to the Toyota Corolla. And just for, uh, this is a fun reference, Model 3 can drive over a mile on the energy it takes to boil a pot of water for pasta, and then it can drive another mile on the energy it took to cook the pasta. And that pasta is one pound, and Model 3 is like 4,000 pounds. Just to give you a sense of just like, what, like, it really doesn't use a lot of energy to move a Model 3, that 4,000-pound object, down the road. <laughs> yeah, also, heat is a lot more energy than motion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But people, you know, you just boil a pot of water, you don't even think about it. You know? It's just interesting how efficient these cars are. Um, next, switching to heat pumps in homes, businesses, and industry. Um, you know, right now, heat pumps meet 10% of building heating needs. Install rates growing 10% year on year. It really needs to accelerate... Heat pumps can serve, you know, heat applications up to 200C in, in, in businesses and industry. And from an investment perspective, as you can see on this page, it's actually the lowest hanging fruit in terms of displacing fossil fuels. Um, you might be saying, well, what exactly is a heat pump? So, <laughs> um, heat pumps don't move heat, don't create heat. They, they move heat. Uh, when you think about like the natural gas furnished in your house, like it's, it is generating heat itself, but what the heat pump is doing is actually moving heat from outside of your house into your house. They're just an air conditioner or a refrigerator in reverse. So we're surrounded by heat pumps. There's like, you know, they're all over this factory. They're in your house. Um, and, and all this really is, is about bringing them to displace all the fossil fuel he- heating in all of the homes, business in, in the industry that we can. And from an end use efficiency perspective, there's a three, three times reduction in the total energy required to heat these buildings. So a real obvious thing to do. Yeah, heat pumps. They're in our, our cars, yeah, now as default. And yep. at some point, we might make a heat pump for our home. So Yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe. Um, ne- next, a little bit more detail on electrifying uh, high-temp uh, sort of industrial chemical processes. So over 50% of industrial heat is greater than 400C. We're, you know, cement, steel, fertilizers, chemicals, plastics, Metals refining all need like 1500C, so we need a solution here. Um, ultimately, it's purpose-built equipment that enables electrification. You know, carbon, graphite is stable up to 2800C. There's other options in the 1500C range, like silicon carbide, other, other materials. So the, the idea here is you create and store heat when renewable power is available. If this is a sustainable energy econ- economy, you know, renewable energy is intermittent. Peak of the day, you've got more generation than you need. You make a bunch of heat then, and then you transfer that heat into the industrial process 24 hours a day using the stored heat you created when the sun or the wind was blowing. That's the concept here. And then on the hydrogen side, we also need green hydrogen to decarbonize metals and chemical refining processes. This is things like ammonia, uh, making steel. You know, There's roughly 120 million tons of hydrogen sourced from fossil fuel t- today to do these things. Um, and hydrogen can also directly replace coal, which is currently used in a ton of steel production, through a process called directly reducing iron. You can replace blast furnaces with uh, a hydrogen-reducing uh, direct-reduce iron furnace. Um, and this is the way to eliminate fossil fuels from these aspects of the economy and the CO2 associated with them. Yeah, so, I, I mean, 
um, some of this, uh, there's like room to disagree, but some amount of hydrogen is needed for industrial processes. My personal opinion is that hydrogen will not be used uh, meaningfully in transport, uh, but um, and shouldn't be. Um, it's, if you're going to use a chemical uh, fuel, you should uh, use CH4, not H2. Uh, but, uh, but nonetheless, it is needed for industrial processes and can be produced uh, just by splitting water, essentially. I mean, something that's been done for decades and decades. Yeah. This is not, you know, rocket technology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and lastly, a small part of the pie, but a necessary part of the pie, is sustainably fueling planes and boats. Um, shipping accounts for 3% of global CO2. It's ripe for electrification. Even with lithium iron phosphate, long-haul ships can be fully battery-powered. So that's a, a great opportunity to uh, electrify um, energy density is a little bit harder for planes, but short haul is doable today with some improvements. We'll get long haul underway, but even, even in the meantime, we can leverage sustainable aviation fuels produced and stored using excess renewable electricity. There's a lot of work going on in this space. Um, and it's, 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 not, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, to, to really get, uh, long range aircraft and, um, long range shipping to use, uh, lithium ion, uh, you need to redesign the ship. And not just um, or the plane and the plane uh, to take advantage of the fact that it is a new uh, source of uh, energy. It's, it's, a, it's a different architecture. So it, it, just like with an electric car, you wouldn't just you know take a gasoline car and stick a battery in it. That's very suboptimal. Um, it's much uh, more efficient to have the battery be the structure of the car um, and. Uh, you know, make it as make it mass efficient and optimized for battery for batteries. The same, if if that's done with aircraft, uh, I think you can get long range aircraft uh, at around with with sales at around 450 watt hours per kilogram, which you can buy it right now. Actually, it's expensive, but I think uh, that that price will come down. So when we stack up all of these efforts, uh, we end up with the numbers we shared at the beginning of the presentation: 30 terawatts, 240 terawatt hours, 10 trillion dollars. And you're, you may be saying, like, I need some context. Is this feasible? Spoiler alert, it's entirely feasible. <laughs> um, just looking at it from a growth rate, growth rate perspective, how much do we need to grow the deployment of these technologies? We're talking about only a 3x de- uh, growth rate in solar and wind deployment. Um, solar is already growing at a, a breakneck pace, as is wind. This gap is going to be closed really quickly. Um, when we look at uh, electric vehicles, they have to grow 11x. Well, they, they grew 60% year on year last year. That growth rate is also going to close pretty, pretty darn, that, that mm-hmm. gap is going to close pretty quickly as well. And lastly, storage. Um, you know, Tesla's energy storage business has grown at 65% CAGR since t- 2016. The global, you know, energy storage business is, is, is accelerating pace as well. I mean, all these gaps are going to close, especially as, as this momentum of the transition to sustainable energy uh, accelerates. Um, and of course, our goal on this page is 20 million EVs per year and one t- uh, terawatt hour of stationary storage per year, uh, basically as, as soon as we can. <laughs> um, and then, wh- you know, what about this investment? How do I have a reference point on this investment? You know, Elon mentioned it's 10% of, you know, uh, one year's world GDP. Another way of thinking about it is how does it compare to what we're investing like what we invested last year in the fossil fuel infrastructure. Um, and, and it's 60% of that investment. So actually building this sustainable energy 
uh, economy is, is less than extending the fossil fuel economy from a year-over-year investment basis. So very doable. Um, when we look towards, uh, does this fit on the planet? Absolutely. Less than 0.2% of land. As a reference point, um, the total uh, land area intensively farmed today is 12.5% of all land. So, I mean, you drive around, you see some farms, but you don't see them everywhere. This is, this is an order of magnitude, more than an order of magnitude difference between farming and what we're talking about for sustainable energy land. Yeah, it, and, and it doesn't need to displace uh, farmland of or, yeah. you know, forests or um, jungle or any, any kind of uh, ecological preserve. Um, it can be used in, in uh, very sparsely populated desert regions. Yeah. Uh, Barren areas, yeah. areas that are just not really fit for development or otherwise used. So, yeah, I mean, 0.2% can fit into a lot of places. Yeah, it's it's there's, there's essentially uh, no meaningful uh, ecological impact. In fact, um, transition to a sustainable energy economy economy would result in a substantial reduction in current ecological impact. And I would like to hear from scientists who actually study this kind of stuff and and tell us, you know, what is going to be the environmental impact. Maybe it will be very small or insignificant, or maybe it'll be huge. I don't know. I'm not qualified to answer that question. And I'm not just going to take somebody who has a microphone's word for it. Although I have a microphone and you should take my word for everything now that I'm thinking about it. Um, yeah. Also, what they're planning won't eliminate fossil fuels. It'll just likely reduce it. And I don't think Elon thinks that or the team thinks they're going to completely eliminate fossil fuels. And they've said that in the past. Let's talk about the five areas of work to get this done. Um, repowering the existing grid with renewables. Just by doing this, Tesla says that they can reduce 35 percent uh, in fossil fuels. So a 35 percent reduction in fossil fuels but you would need 24 terawatt hours of stationary storage, 10 terawatt hours uh, from solar and wind, excuse me, 10 terawatts from solar and wind. And here's the thing. They say $0.8 trillion investment. Now, I'm not a math magician, but $0.8 trillion is $800 billion. 0.8 of a dollar, not that much money. $800 billion is quite a bit of money. Moving on to the uh, switch to EVs, this would be, if we were to switch to 100% EVs, this would give us a 21% reduction in fossil fuels, which seems like a reasonable number. In order to do this and make it possible, we would need 115 terawatt hours of stationary storage, 4 terawatts from solar and wind, and a $7 trillion investment. It is very hard to wrap your head around what a trillion dollars is. Like if you make $50,000 a year for 20 years, that's a million dollars. Like that's obtainable over that 20, 20 years, right? But a trillion dollars is such a abstract number to me because it's just, it's just an enormous number. And just to give you an idea... If you had 40 billion $1 bills, right, and you stacked them together, that would measure 2,714 miles, $40 billion. That's a whole lot less than a trillion. But if you took a trillion 
$1 bills and you measured those out, you stacked them and you measured them out, that would be 67,866 miles, which is about 2.72 times around the earth, according to CNBC, because I'm not going to be able to do that math in my head or even on paper or with a computer. I had to look it up is what I'm saying. But in any case, we're talking for all of these steps, these five areas of work that Drew lined out for us, we're talking around a trillion dollars at the low end, $800 billion at the low end. That is not an insignificant amount of money. Like That's not something that we are just going to allocate just to see if we can do it, just to experiment and see if it works. It's a lot of money. So uh, he goes on to talk about how fully electric cars and autonomous cars will lower that carbon footprint and you will use less fossil fuels because we won't have as many cars on the road. This is a maybe. Like I, My kids don't have much of a desire to drive uh, when they get older. Like when I was a kid, when I was like four or five years old, I could not wait to drive. I was super excited about it. We just don't have that same kind of car culture that that we did in the past. That doesn't mean it's not going to come back. So I'm not sure what car ownership will look like in the future. And I'll likely be dead before <laughs> people entirely don't own cars. They gave us a breakdown of what type of vehicles we'll need to transition over to this sustainable energy solution. And they did it with uh, Tesla cars. So everything's going to be uh, Tesla style cars, like Model X, Model S style cars. We're going to need 40 million of those. Those are going to be our luxury vehicles. The Model 3 and the Model Y will need about 380 million. The semi, the Tesla semi, we're looking at 20 million. Uh, and the Cybertruck. And then they had this vehicle kind of like underneath a a, a, a blanket, a cover. Uh, we're going to need about 300 million of those. And then I ha they had another vehicle that was covered that you couldn't see in the slide that was going to need over 700 million. And we're all going to guess that that's the affordable car. So in order for us to make that transition happen, that's what Tesla thinks we need in terms of uh, vehicles. Now let's switch to heat pumps. And you all know <laughs> I'm a dummy when it comes to heat pumps. And if we switched over to heat pumps, we would see a 22% reduction in fossil fuels. I will need six terawatt hours of stationary storage, five terawatts of power from solar and wind, and a $0.3 trillion investment. So the smallest number, $300 billion, I said $800 billion was the smallest. $300 billion is actually the smallest. And it sounds like Tesla's planning on making a heat pump because they keep saying it. Next up, we have the high temp heat and deliver hydrogen uh, portion, which is really more for like industrial type stuff. But if we were able to move to this, Tesla says we would get a 17% reduction in fossil fuels. We would need 48 terawatt hours of stationary storage, six terawatts of energy from solar and wind, and a trillion dollar investment to make this work. Again, this is stuff that industry does, and it's not something we talk about on this show, so we'll just move on. He also mentioned hydrogen in there. Next up, we have sustainable planes and boats, which is not, again, something we talk about on this show, but Tesla says we'll need a 5%, we'll, we'll see a 5% reduction in fossil fuels. 
uh, we'll need 48 terawatt hours of stationary storage, four terawatts from energy from solar and wind, and a $800 billion investment. And then uh, at the very end, they did talk a little bit about mining and recycling, uh, but I didn't include it because I was trying to save time and, and not overwhelm you with clips. It does sound like Tesla is counting on moving to a more iron base for their battery cells and using the uh, nickel cobalt manganese batteries for longer range, but just standard range batteries. We're looking at LFP batteries or some type of iron based battery. And then um, at the end, Elon conveyed a message based on hope and optimism. And honestly, I believe him. I, I really do. All right, everybody, I'm going to end that here because uh, I had eight clips for you today and uh, or seven clips for you today. And I've only done three and we are already at 37 minutes. So I, I can tell you going forward, the clips will not be as long in tomorrow's episode. So hopefully we can get to more of it. And this is a good stopping point because now we're going to get to some of the other leaders and uh, in their disciplines. Like tomorrow, we're going to hear a little bit about vehicle design from Lars Moravi and Franz von Holzhausen. We'll hear a little bit about powertrain, the electrical system. Um, David Lau is going to talk about software and then... Uh, and then we'll also hear about charging tomorrow. I cut a lot. I cannot believe this. I cut a lot of this presentation down for you already. Man, um, that is insane. All right, everybody. That is it for me. If you want to email me, it's Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. You can find me on Twitter at 918digital. You should all know that I'm terrible at planning out these shows because I literally thought I could get eight of these clips in about 30 to five to 40 minutes. So, yeah, I'm embarrassed. I hope you all have a wonderful day. And guess what? I'm going to talk to you tomorrow if you still choose to listen to this program. Take care and I'll talk to you tomorrow. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.